Let me tell you about this guy. Let me tell you about this fucker right here. Yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about Mike the Tyke, right? Mike the Tyke. Mike the Tyke. Mike the Mike the little guy. Back back in your olden days, right? Back in the the prehistoric era. Um, I'm only five foot seven. That's like five ten in wrestling measurements. <laughs> so I've always been a little guy. I feel, I feel it's my duty as a white Christian man. White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. Right. A wasp. white Anglo-Saxon Christian man to ask you what it was like when you were 13. Oh. <laughs> 13. Back back in what the the white Christian man would consider the prime years. All right. 13. <laughs> prime years. 13. That would be for me 1983. All of you get out of your head, you disgusting bastards. <laughs> 1983, I lived in Long Beach, Mississippi. Yeah, a long-ass fucking time ago. Uh, yeah, so I was 8th, ninth grade. Long Beach, Mississippi. Yeah. I grew up in Florida. I'm not sure what that has to do with Mississippi, but okay. <laughs> I What's you your point? Alabama. You said beach. I thought you said Miami and not Mississippi. Yeah. It's a new point of this. Like, continue. <laughs> so, um, Florida. It makes sense. It was actually, you know how people say like high school was the best times of their lives? For me, it was like junior high was the best time of my life. High school was a major disaster. I almost didn't survive. But junior high was great. So 1983, I was, unfortunately, I was like this four foot 10, 90 pound dude, right? 13 years old. But I was on the football team, relatively popular because I was on the football team. I was not an excellent football player by any stretch of the imagination. But in Mississippi, if you're on the football team, you have a certain level of popularity by default. Okay. Right? So... I had default level of popularity. It wasn't good looks or charming disposition that got me there. Uh-huh. Um, and I had so much freedom because my parent, my dad was in the, in the Navy. So he'd be gone for like six months at a time aboard ship and that type of thing. And then come back and then he might be gone for two weeks and that type of thing. My mom worked a full-time job. Um, she was a bookkeeper and translator for the Catholic Diocese charitable organization. So, Oh, good. So she got the joke that I was making. Okay. <laughs> well, she wasn't Catholic. <laughs> but so um, there's a Vietnamese community down on the coast. And when... Something happened, you know, police or doctors or EMTs were involved. My mom would get a phone call and she'd have to go out to there and start translating. Mm -hmm. So they can, you know, is she allergic to anything? Yeah, just penicillin. Oh, okay, we will give her this one then, right? That type of thing. Or a birth, you know? You were in Long Beach, Mississippi. They were like, oh, give her that one. <laughs> get her out of here. <laughs> um, no, because, uh, you know... What... Go back to your land. <laughs> there is a, it, there's a large Vietnamese community down there. 
Uh, it's not what I would expect. Well, because you had the Biloxi, the Air Force Base, mm-hmm. Keystone Air Force Base in oh, Biloxi, okay. the CB Base in Gulfport, and 83, you know, um, all these guys had come back in the 70s right. from the Vietnam War. They had Vietnam Vietnamese wives mm-hmm. and mixed-race children, which, you know, that's me. I was actually born in Vietnam. Yeah, you guys think we didn't win the war? <laughs> Look at where all your wives are. <laughs> 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 that is where I can say something really mean and get us canceled forever, but so I won't. Oh, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's fine. We can edit it out if we have to. <laughs> all right. So I was like, yeah, in Vietnam, this is where your all your MIAs are. <laughs> Clip it. That's staying in. <laughs> First TikTok. <laughs> so, um, gosh, for points, like that's why. So we had right. a, l- a large Vietnamese com- community there, and uh, so again, and no phones, and so we kind of like we were raised by a group of families, and not just mom and dad. And so, basically, anybody my mom knew had the right to spank us, mm-hmm. and then tell my mom why I got spanked by them. So that my mom could spank me again for embarrassing her by doing this and get, causing me to get spanked. Yeah, you, uh, <laughs> you, uh, anyone like Asian, Hispanic, your parents get off on that. <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, beat our shit. That's just, that's just what we like to do. It's our new favorite pastime. Well, if we go culture to culture, I would argue that. I'm I'm not overly I don't have a lot of experience with the Mexican culture mm-hmm. or the Hispanic culture, but mm-hmm. Asian culture. Uh, I look at the Asian culture and I look at the American culture and how the children are raised, and there's a reason why there's one racial group that's infatuated with Kardashians and reality TV. And the other ones are not allowed to go to college despite having the 4.0 GPAs and the 1600 SAT scores because we're overrepresented. (laughs) All right. So if I had to choose between being pop famous and stupid or pop illiterate and genius, I'm running with the genius. (laughs) And if it takes a few swats on the bottom and threat of bodily harm to get there, so I didn't say they were wrong. <laughs> I'm also into it. <laughs> that tells me so much. <laughs> Are you going to spank me? <laughs> no, I have people for that. <laughs> oh, God, that's what it is. That's so much works as a parent. Uh, but there's a, a lot of freedom in the sense that she was working. She'd be called out whenever, so that would be mornings I'd wake up and my mom's already gone, mm-hmm. right? So it's like kind of fend for yourself. But um, in the fending for yourself, it's like, okay, um, what am I going to have for breakfast today? Uh, well, we got bread. I have some strawberry jam, bananas, an apple. We got creative, whatever you felt like. Um, but we got to explore our neighborhoods. Um, we'll walk... People think, oh, walking sucks, but we got to walk everywhere. I mean, ride our bicycles. That type of thing. I, I rode my, my parents didn't find out about this till I was a grown ass adult, but 
I rode my bicycle from Long Beach, Mississippi to Edgewater Mall Biloxi, which is like 14 miles away. <laughs> and we did it along the highway, Highway 90. Like, yeah, no one that knows me can beat me here. <laughs> so as long as we, you know, didn't embarrass the family, didn't do anything stupid that got us in trouble. Yeah, your your honor. Yeah, our honor. We kept we kept the honor. Uh, it, it was free game um, in the summer times. Since we lived on the coast, my dad would give me like a dollar the first day of summer. Tell me to go buy some bait shrimp, and you know, because I love fishing. I take the dollar, buy some bait shrimp, go to the pier, have the crab nets with me. I have no bait for the crab nets, but I can catch a fish. Use the first fish to bait the crab net, throw that in there. So now I'm crabbing and fishing at the same time. And then I'd end up collecting the crabs and the fish. And then I'd sell some to the market that's at the mm -hmm. edge of the pier. Um, actually, it's more like trade because I'd give them the stuff and they'd give me more bait shrimp. Right. So I could, and I'd take that dollar. It'd last me all summer. It's just because I was able to yeah. negotiate Trade it, it back and forth. And yeah. All that stuff. And yeah. it kept me occupied. I didn't go to jail. Um, so when I could do things like that, everything was good as freedom. And I learned a lot and talked with strangers and, you know, even got, got candy. in a band a few times. No, never got in the band. <laughs> got candy from them. <laughs> yeah. I had some lunch, you know, it's it was... got in the van a few times, woke up in Nam. It was wild experience. <laughs> uh, so yeah, it was great. I, what, what was, what was 13 like for you? So 13, 2011, I believe, when I was in eighth grade. Should the Asian guy do the math for you to make sure it's right? Yeah, you should probably <laughs> check my math. Um, part of what you were talking was I I was having trouble like thinking about it, so I had to look it all up and figure out. <laughs> I'm like, oh, where was I at when I was 13? <laughs> where will you be when diarrhea strikes? <laughs> um, <laughs> so... Uh, so 13 for me, so eighth grade. So in my, um, what you call junior high in Florida, they called it middle school, right? Same shit. So <clears throat> when I was in middle school, um, my mom was a teacher and me and my sister where? at- where? where in Florida? In uh, St. Cloud, Kissimmee area, okay. suburbs of Orlando yep. area, right? So um, my mom was a teacher at um, a- elementary middle school i'm sorry and and so me and my sister actually went to the same school that she was teaching at right it was just much more convenient um a win for me i didn't have to take the bus so i had to take the bus a lot in elementary school before we lived in that area and obviously took the bus in high school so all throughout middle school i got to get away with not taking the bus so thank god there <laughs> um and b it's just more convenient right especially for her single parent it's like oh we just go to the same school and then we go, all go back home together, right? Um, so my life was, I wouldn't say the same type of freedom, right? Um, Sounds like you're attached to the hem of her skirt. Yeah, but not. so Because she didn't wear a skirt? <laughs> <laughs> no, because my mom let us be very independent. She wasn't like, all over us right the only reason why we went to that school is she didn't make us right she wasn't like oh you have to come to this place with me she was like oh do you do you just want to go here it'll you know 
the, you have your options, right? You have your choice. And that's what we chose. We were always a close family. And so it was like, cool, like I get to go there. And it was interesting, kind of found out through going to the same school with her. There was actually this like whole like little gang basically at this school of like teachers' kids, right? So <laughs> is that like pastor kids? Those are the worst kids, right? Yeah, it's like pastor kids, but you know they're not like the pastors' kids. <laughs> wink, wink. Like <laughs> TKs and PKs. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so basically in eighth grade, I, I, most of my friend group actually was this other group of kids that all had teacher like teachers and and parents that were at the school. So our type of freedom was like being able to do things at the school that nobody else got to do. Oh, right? okay. So like after school, because the parents have to go have to, they call it like, you know, doing duty, teacher duty, basically. So they would have to go and do like car riders and help out with that or like bus riders or, you know, basically like watch the kids leaving the gate at the school with the ones that are like walking home, whatever like the duty is, right? Or they had would have like after school like staff meetings, right? So um all of us teacher kids would basically like run amok throughout the school essentially and running down the hallways. They had like, you know, in like the nurse's office and stuff, they had like wheelchairs and stuff like that for in case a kid got hurt and they needed one. We would take the wheelchairs out and go ride them through the hallways and <laughs> go up and down the elevators and all of this stuff like crazy right like we would go and go to like the elementary school playground and just you know around out there and all of that stuff we literally ran like just roamed the entire campus and nobody would say because we were the teacher's kids everybody knew who we were and in almost any classroom first of all we couldn't be like bad right because in any classroom it would be like you want me to call your mother Uh, so we weren't ever bad but in any classroom we got away with so much because everybody knew us right um i had many times where i went to class and i had teachers just be like hey can you go into the teacher's lounge and like go take this dollar and go buy me this thing (laughs) i'm like the vending machine in there and all of that stuff um and had relationships with like the principal and all of that stuff and so a lot of my time in eighth grade was like the little freedoms like that in like a school that like nobody gets to experience that like we all got to do. Um, the other part of it too is m- my best friend and I, we roamed our neighborhood at the time, right? So we didn't necessarily draw, you know, ride our bikes 14 miles per se, right? Or something like that. But we, when I was growing up, we would ride our bikes from St. Cloud wasn't very big, but from one end of town to the other we would take whatever little money that we had like scraped up and go ride our bikes to mcdonald's and like get a burger and eat lunch or whatever ride to his house that was across town ride back to my house like um we we roamed quite a bit and for the most part when i was 13 i didn't i don't think i got a cell phone until i was 14 so when i was 13 i didn't have the cell phone at the time um so we were just kind of running around you know and it was it was whatever. So I had a similar experience, not quite the same. It didn't go as far, right. but we kind of roamed around the town. Um, and honestly, I had fun being a teacher's kid, like doing all that in a school that nobody gets to do, going and playing in the gym, like playing basketball and like that, like just because I felt like it um, rather than it being like only this set time frame and all that stuff was was fun. How many kids had cell phones when you were 13? 
Uh, quite a bit. Yeah, quite a few. I I would say most kids I knew. So I had, I shouldn't say I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have a, I had like a prepaid, like really, really <laughs> stupid phone with just um the numbers and those stupid three letters that are, I don't know how you guys ever learned to type on those because... <laughs> Those things. A B C like <laughs> R is like one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I had one of those just for an emergency, but it was like prepaid. We didn't have unlimited minutes or anything like right. that. It was just just for emergency calling or texting to let my mom that we know we got home okay when we were like out, right? But other than that, I didn't really have a cell phone and and but most kids that I knew did. Then they had like full on smartphones, right? It wasn't just like the rinky dink like you know, what I had. Yeah, there were times when I was 13 where I didn't have, I forgot to bring the key to the house. I'll tell you what. Ain't gonna be the latchkey kid and not have the keys. I learned how to break into houses and tick <laughs> locks. It's like, I learned which windows to not lock. <laughs> Climbing through, like, I'm gonna leave this one locked because I can hop onto the air conditioner and then, huh. then reach to the windowsill and crawl the rest of the way through. <laughs> so it, it's interesting because you did seem to have... How about evenings? Like, did you go to, like, football games or anything like that? No, but I wasn't really big into sports. I was really into my socks. Those things had those nice curve, and, <laughs> oh, man, they just they just did a certain thing for me, you know? <laughs> Oh my god! I was into I was into sports, so I played football. And uh, oh, you don't want to go down my path? That I am not like... going down that path. <laughs> <laughs> I I played sorry, mom. And uh, my parents are too busy. I don't think my dad ever went to one of my football games. Mm-hmm. Ooh, don't cry. He's sad now. Um, I wasn't very good, so I don't really blame him. He was like, "Oh, that's my kid," you know. I mean, if you're 4'10", 90 pounds playing football in like 8th and ninth grade, it's you're not going to be an NFL player. Let's just put it that way. I think you chose the wrong sport. <laughs> uh, there's always been this part of me that and maybe because I was 4'10", and 90 pounds, mm-hmm. but I had to be, I had to prove myself to be the toughest kid. All right, so it's like spite does amazing things. <laughs> it's like so they're like you're too small to pl- do this, you're too little to do that. It's like mm, just because of that, now I'm going to do it. Yeah. All right. And so that was, and I love football though, but that was one of the driving forces of me playing football. It's like it's too hard for me. No, not you can yeah. hit me as hard as you want, and I'm going to get up every time except for that once when I woke up in an ambulance. So I ran track when I was in middle school. Um, but high school is really where I got out of like the sports. I was more into tech and, <laughs> and things revolved around tech or, um, the, uh, trade that I was learning. So my high school offered a dual program where your first two years was only like your high school classes and they set it up like as if you had semesters in college, right? So you take four, four classes as like a block schedule. You would do the whole year in a semester, and then you would you would do the same thing in the following semester, right, for different classes. And then your last two years, you would only have classes half the day, and then you would take a trade, right? So they offered automotive, HVAC, electrical, 
um, computer programming, nursing, like all of these different things, activities, right? Culinary that you could do. And so um, a lot of my high school time was spent on, I, I worked, went to school and then focused on like the trade that I was doing, which was HVAC, right? Um, and focused on being really good at that and, and basically trying to outprove because we, we would sit in these classes. The trade school was also a um, like adult learning center or like. So you went one of them large smart schools. It wasn't large at all. It was like 900 kids. It was very small, but it was connected to an adult like learning center. So they partnered together and basically you would go and sit there and learn the trades like with the adults essentially, right? Your last two years of high school. Okay. So um, my whole time spent in like HVAC was basically just just trying to outwork and outprove the adults that I was with. And oh. that's what I spent my time doing. And that's kind of where like a lot of my competitiveness in my career and like work ethic came from was that because I was like, there's all these adults in here. I'm like, I'm going to do better. So high school's not like that for everybody. <laughs> it's not at all. Right. So <laughs> if, what was your high school like, Mike? <laughs> let's just, without going into too much detail, I'm not going to go into the detail that you went into. I will say this, that all the struggles I have in life, I go back to high school and say, is this worse than high school? <laughs> and if the answer is no, high school is still worse, then I say, then you can survive this. Why was high school so bad? Oh, it was it was horrible for me. Um, started off bad. So I lived in Long Beach, Mississippi. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, fairly popular kid. And then you were fairly popular. I was because I was on the football field. You don't have to lie for the no, no, I was. <laughs> I mean, there, there was this one time where, like, on game days, you would actually give the, the cheerleaders would make a little paper football with a number on it, and you're supposed to give it to your girlfriend, mm -hmm. or you could give your jersey to the girlfriend. So if you had a home game, you give your away jersey mm -hmm. to your girlfriend, and she'd wear it that day. There was a time where. One girl was wearing the little football and a different girl was wearing the jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and they were all, so, were all from your friend Tyler. <laughs> but um, so I went from that and then we moved to Washington State in the middle of the ninth grade, which is still junior high for me. Okay. Got um, pulled out of right out of your right. comfort zone, right out of your area. Yeah. And so we then built up all your street cred. Yeah. And then um, my brother and sister are older, so they went straight to Redmond High School, and mm -hmm. Redmond had lots of dollars. We were not lots of dollars people. Mm -hmm. And I went to junior high by oh, Yeah, they don't call them dollars in Vietnam. <laughs> they, you had whatever you had. Yeah, we had, we were I was, we were one bowl of rice people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I went to junior high, so I had no family support at the junior high thing, and then I was this new guy. And Washington State is horrible about making connections glad these guys took a break for 25 minutes and now they're back to <laughs> upstairs yeah they couldn't find the league so i have to cut out another wall that guy is the epitome <laughs> of motion of the ocean up there <laughs> he is you working with that face. micro pen <laughs> yeah that micro penis he's working with is <laughs> getting it up there 
don't know if you guys can hear it, but shit. Oh man, some guy is like sawing through the wall to get to a leak, a pipe leak inside the wall. That's that's our hypotheses. Yeah, because I don't want to think about the alternative. <laughs> but so anyway, so got to junior high. I was on my own, and Redmond Junior High had this stupid ass rotating schedule. Mm -hmm. So first period was always first period. But then the rest of the classes rotated every week. So maybe week one is first, second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth. Then week two is first, sixth, second, third, fourth, fifth. I've and heard of high schools that do this. I never understood the concept behind doing something like um, that. It's to risk offending um, developmentally disabled people. It is sheer retardation. <laughs> right? It is how can we prove to the world that we are dumber than all other people in the world? Got it. That's the purpose of it. All right. Because um, then I was like getting confused. It's like fourth period is the lunch period. And if you're in English, you had first lunch. If you're in a science class, it was second lunch. If you're in a history class, it was third lunch. I don't know. What if you're in math? Right? <laughs> well, that's a science. How is math a science? <laughs> Sounds extremely confusing. It was extremely confusing. So I'm always in every week. You're still making asshole is confused like when do i get my poop time and all this stuff like and so every week i'm embarrassed by something right mm -hmm. and it's hard to make friends they, they call it the seattle freeze where if you didn't know each other from kindergarten on up you're not going to be in that friend group so the only friend groups is the people that showed up to that school on the same month that you did mm. that's going to be your friend group interesting all right you know i so not this, not exactly the same, but I do kind of get it. Like, so my, that teacher group that I was talking about earlier, right? Most of those kids had been going to that school since they were in elementary school because it was an elementary and middle school. And most of them has been friends since then. And that group is still great friends now. And I don't really, you know, I see posts on Facebook or whatever, but I don't talk to them at all. But that same group all the way through it wasn't the same like cutthroat like what you're talking about where like no one could be in this in this crowd if you didn't grow up together mm -hmm. but i kind of get the whole like you know a we did move around quite a bit when i was younger but b like these friends groups like they were their click and they were their click all the way through um interesting though that seattle has like a specific term for it yeah the seattle freeze um and then on top of that, it's, I was Asian and unfamiliar. So people are like, what if he doesn't speak English? Because I was quiet. I'm observing. There's nothing unfamiliar about Asians in Seattle. <laughs> right. But, but here's the thing. It's like, if a person talks to you and uh -huh. you don't speak English, then the person talking with you feels really embarrassed and uh -huh. they hate it. So they don't want to take the risk. Right. All right. Um, and so I became very introverted um, and I got bullied a little bit um and so i just kind of shrank into myself more and i that's why i started doing a lot more writing mm -hmm. and that's all all i did in, in class was write. Mm. i mean i have arguments with the teachers who failed me in their class and i'm like what test what test did i fail and it's like mm, let me check you didn't fail any tests all right so why am i failing this class you didn't do the homework what's the point of the homework to test to to show knowledge no point of the homework is to teach the knowledge and the test the test the knowledge if i pass the test you pass me on this class right that's not how it works well i'm still not doing the homework well you have to do the homework it's like 
I don't bring my home here, I'm not bringing here home. Yeah. All right. So I failed some classes, hence I had <laughs> two senior years. Um, and I really just did not fit in. And there's a lot of dark struggles. I mean, there was suicidal ideations. Yeah. Um, things to like that. And it's getting dark now, but you know, maybe maybe somebody here it's, it can help, you know. I thought about I thought about suicide. I thought about death by cop in the school, um, things of that nature. Well, and I I think the perspective that you're speaking from, like, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that go through that, especially in those those years, right? Everything's and especially when you get pulled out of your comfort zone in a place that you've lived all your life and you've built this relationship with friends, this street cred, right? All of mm -hmm. this stuff, and then all of a sudden you're ripped on a whole another part of the country, and it's like drop in mm -hmm. and yeah and, and the teachers didn't do me any favors because i was i was always trying to figure this out you know and i was like i gotta make better effort i gotta make a better effort you know and so like you know i'm in this shell i'm afraid blah 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 I'm a, and i i'll take a drama class you would think that would help me get out of my shell right um but this is where i think the teachers failed is in the drama class he didn't put people's in groups he just, everybody group up. Right. And so here I am, little Asian jack wagon sitting by himself again until someone took pity on me or he just said, King, you joined that group. Yeah. And then everybody was like, right. Oh, great. We yeah. Got King. You got this guy. Does he even speak? <laughs> <laughs> you know? So yeah. um, that's why it was just so horrible. Um, I made one friend in high school. That's that's it. It's all my friends from high school is Aaron. Gotcha. So safe <laughs> to say your high school was nothing like that movie you made me watch. <laughs> it my high school was very much like the movie I made. Sorry, your experience in high school. I was not part of the I was not <laughs> represented in that movie. You were the girl except you never went to the party. <laughs> <laughs> so I wasn't even that. I mean, I was smart, but I didn't have the grades. I mean, I had a 1.4 GPA at the end of my first senior year, and I raised it to 1.6 at the end of my second senior year. Yeah, so about how tall you were, it's like your GPA was. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. In interesting. So, uh, to... To give a little more background, right? So we each had to assign each other a, a movie, yeah, and we had to watch it. Something that was either iconic or something that we watched a lot as you know, as kids or growing up. Um, so obviously, the movie that I had to watch was High School Musical. That's the one. My, uh, <laughs> yeah, he was like, my school was just like this, all a big musical, and I was the lead. And yeah, you picked an interesting movie for me. <laughs> No. Uh, so Mike's movie for me was Say Anything, which mm -hmm. is this wonderful movie about a guy pressuring a girl to go to a party. Um, no, just kidding. Uh, so bad example. Um, bad jokes. So uh, no. So the whole basically the whole concept of the movie is this guy uh, really likes this girl. He you know, she's thought she was pretty, all of that stuff for years. Right. And the girl is a super big tryhard, basically only focuses on her homework and her work and her future and doesn't really do anything outside of those things. Doesn't really have any friends um, or anything like that. And 
He thinks she's super pretty and super smart. And so he works up the courage to ask her out to go to this basically senior year graduation party, right? It's one that he this person holds every year. And so, and this guy is known by a lot of kids, but he's not like super smart, like elite, like right. all of these things that she's been working towards, right? It was like the precursor to grunge. Right, exactly. <laughs> so I don't know what that is, but exactly um so uh just before nirvana (laughs) they go to this party and she really likes you know he's weird but she really likes how caring he is and all of these things and how like respectful that he is and all this stuff and um he also has no plan for his life right so the father is just like not super approving of this guy not against him but just kind of like eh like he's a fling but he's not really gonna go anywhere in life right? right So, really great movie. Really suggest anybody, Gen Z and all that good stuff, to to take a watch. Uh, it'll give you a nice perspective of what Mike's high school was like, except what not Mike lived. <laughs> yeah, so I, I got to see observe it. Here's something weird, all right? Um, and maybe it's a, a coping mechanism from trauma, but I actually remove high school and I insert junior high. Oh, okay. All right, so... When people ask me about high school experience, talk about junior high. I tend to go right to junior high first, and I have to remember. Oh wait, no, that was junior high. Mm -hmm. So my glory days are in junior high. Everybody else's is in high school. (laughs) I'm not sure if that's good or bad. Yeah, I mean, I didn't really have like so. We talked a little bit about what I did in high school, but I wouldn't call them glory days. I, you know, I didn't do the whole like party thing, right? Like in Mm -hmm. this movie, I didn't, I didn't drink. I didn't do all of these crazy things. Okay, that's really sad. Thank you. <laughs> cool, cool. Yeah, all right. I remember going to school drunk for first period. <laughs> well, that's extremely depressing. <laughs> Sounds like you had a time. Well, here's the funny thing, all right? It's is just, funny really the right word here? It is, all right? Um the first time I quit drinking, I was 14 years old in Mississippi, but I was drinking because it was fun and something to do, and I was doing it yeah, like, yeah, with my rest, buddies. Right. Yeah. By high school, I was drinking first thing in the morning, hoping I would just pass out in school and not have to deal with it. <laughs> that's, a, that's a perspective. <laughs> well, this movie is nothing like that. So I love this movie. Um, I do think it captures the 80s. Um, the character Lloyd Dobler is the lead character. Um, I'm not going to say my high school life was like his, but I can associate with the character and the personality. Um, yeah, your dream of what you wanted high school to be like. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, I mean, I knew people. I, I saw people like Lloyd mm-hmm. Dobler. Right. And there were, there were some people that were nice to me. Um, not a lot, but I mean, they were nice where they would see something that's not right and do something about it. Right. Um, so yeah, which is kind of like the kind of person that exactly. he is. Right. Yeah. So, so basically, you know, rest of the movie, they start falling in love, blah, blah, blah. The dad's basically like, no, you need to focus on your future. So she breaks up with him. They get into this huge fight. Eric dist in the malibu <laughs> yeah exactly dist in the malibu broken up in his in his car and then um 
And then there's a side story going on where basically her dad is hemorrhaging money from old people, <laughs> stealing all of their life savings and all of their uh, what, plans with death. Shocking and that, that he was guilty? Yeah. <laughs> I was like not expecting him no, to actually they be had, guilty. So the girl and her dad had this amazing relationship, mm -hmm. right? Like super trustworthy, super honest, whatever. They grew up really close. Her uh, mom and dad got divorced and she chose to live with her dad, which is not the common situation at all. Like, you know, a great relationship and then come to you kind of see the dad evolve in more of the movie and you can kind of see the movie start to turn him into more of like the villain right mm -hmm. and then you find out at the end very close to the end that he's guilty for stealing all these old people's money in this retirement home that he's running right um has a whole bunch of cash tries to justify like oh i did it all for you i did it all for us you know yada yada whatever goes to jail basically long story short they end up together, right? Spoiler alerts for a movie that's been out for 40 years now, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> they, they end up together and it all works out great. Um, but yeah, so it was an interesting perspective and interesting to see, like, um, I, I appreciate that you showed me something that kind of gives a good idea of, like, what that time period was like, you know, things that were going on, what people were driving, you know, just stuff like I, that. I Music. think it, it captured a lot of the types of people in high school. Yeah. I appreciate the beginning of where he shoves in the cassette and it stops working, so he's got to stick something under it to yeah, get it work. Yeah. I appreciate that. <laughs> I like the old uh, video game cartridges where it's not working. You pull it out, you have to pull, it, to pull it. it out. Or like a good, um, you know, if you guys don't know what cassettes are, a good reference is like trying to get the headphone wire in the right space and like wrapping it up <laughs> so you can listen. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, overall, I thought it was a really good movie, and I thought it showed a, an interesting perspective. Um, it was super f***ing pixelated. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I, I, my God. After going from 4K to whatever I was watching. 720, 360. Yeah, 365, 9, I don't know, whatever it was. 1.2. Uh, ridiculously pixelated. But it was a good movie. I watched it on Amazon Prime. Yeah, it was perfectly fine. It was really weird because it was just the beginning of the movie, and then it got better, and then there would be certain scenes where I'm like, my God. I was like, I'm not wearing my glasses. And I'm like, wait, I have contacts on. I don't know what the hell's happening right now. Sounds like a prime problem or an internet problem. <clears throat> I don't know. But overall, good movie. All right, so... How did... Go like, ahead. That, do that high school <laughs> that you saw that movie... Mm -hmm. How different was it from what you pictured in your mind of like, what would a 1980s? It was exactly be? like I expected. Really? Yeah. It was exactly how I expected. Um, extremely different from my high school, but my high school, as I explained earlier, was not the normal high school. I didn't grow up with the normal high school life. I think that normal, like public high school and just the normal shit wasn't, it wasn't the same, right? But similar in that, like, you had, you know, you had these cliques, you had people that were going to, like, the parties and drinking, and, like, they really cared a lot about their cars and, like, shit like that. I just didn't, I didn't go through that in high school, so I don't really have anything to compare it to in my own life. I was in this class in high school. Totally just fab one. <laughs> totally fabricated created by these two teachers for people like me. I got recruited to this class. It was called 
is called WIT. It stood for What I Think because they felt that there's smart kids that just weren't applying themselves and were struggling for non-education-related reasons that just needed a a forum where they could express themselves so that they can feel more comfortable and excel in the education. Yeah, with a bullet. <laughs> right? And so I'm in this class, and this is actually how I met my best friend. I'm in this class. I had this design where I was always three minutes late to class. Mm -hmm. Right? I take. I had a special route through the hallways to get to my class three minutes late. Mm -hmm. So I show up, and there's this dude in the far corner of the room where I normally sit. And the teachers are talking, and I open the door to go in. The teachers don't even hear me. Mm -hmm. And he looks up, and he sees me, and is like he makes eye contact with me, right? He sees me, and I look at him because he's in my spot, and he says, a little late, aren't you? <laughs> and then everybody looks at me, the teachers look at me, and I was like, what a dick. <laughs> you bastard. <laughs> so I sat right next to him. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, what a dick. Yeah, like, got you now, you're with the weird kid. <laughs> right. So, but that's how we ended up meeting and becoming friends. Um, but in this class, there was this girl, and she got to talk with the counselors and that kind of stuff. And it was like, she was all fake suicidal because she got caught having sex with the PK, the pastor's kid, right, by her parents in her living room at her house. And the parents told her she can't take the Mercedes to school anymore. She has to take the Mustang. <laughs> and so she's just going to end her life. You got to take the Ford. <laughs> yeah. And then I got in trouble when she was talking about it. And I was like, Jesus Christ, just shut up and do it. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if that's your biggest problem and you can't handle it, you know, let freaking <laughs> evolution take its place. Yeah, they, they frown upon telling kids to kill themselves. <laughs> but, yeah, that was... But she definitely should. <laughs> I was like, dear Lord in heaven. But, yeah, so I did get to express myself in that classroom where I had, like, God, written in high school would have these stupid bulletins. They have, like, the positive thought of the day and, and the teacher of this class insisted on reading it. Remember every great cloud has a silver lining, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to Mike and Aaron's, Aaron and Mike's positive thought of the day. Remember, every silver lining has a great cloud. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Your dog hates you and so do we. <laughs> Junk like that. So we got to express ourselves and she let all of them go except for the time I said, die and do us all a favor. She said, you need to erase that one. <laughs> Yeah, you can't write that. <laughs> oh, man. High school years, becoming a man. So, I gave you an interesting movie about becoming a man. You did. I know you avoided talking about it. I saw it there. You were like, oh, God. I'm going to bring it up. Yeah. SpongeBob Rectangular Pants. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's what they're calling the movie now. Yeah, SpongeBob SquarePants, the movie. So, I get it. Becoming a man. Um, not my favorite movie. Just a shock for words. Huh? <laughs> yeah, it's not my favorite. I get the concept, but I didn't. I know you talked about how many memes are coming out, but I didn't watch it from a how can I make a meme out of this perspective. I was like, this movie flirts with humor, but doesn't 
quite go all in on it. <laughs> all right. Um, it, it plays with, it kind of like, it tells a story of, so SpongeBob is this kid that works at a cafe and they're opening a new one and he thinks he's going to become the manager of this new one. And he's finally going to get to rule the cafe and do all the things he wanted to do and implement all the ideas that he had and blah, blah, blah. And the owner gives it to this other one and said, you're just a kid. You can't do this. And, and I get that. You know, I completely understand how that could be appealing. And so then they go off on this big adventure to rescue the king's crown. Yep. And because become, he's bald. And become a, it's a because big he's deal. bald. Right. <laughs> um, which is a big deal in the movie. Uh, personally, my last name is King. I take the stolen crown very seriously. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Bald is bad. Bald is movie. bad. That's why. He blinded you know. everybody. He couldn't be king without his crown. Right. And so he had to wear the, the paper bag over his anyway. head up to his eyebrows. Yep. Um, and so SpongeBob says, I'll go to the crevice of darkness or whatever it was called and rescue your crown because that's where it is because this other guy who didn't steal it knows it's there right <laughs> um so there's a lot of suspending of you know belief involved here it's like suspending logic is probably what i should say so spongebob and his starfish friend mcgillicuddy uh, what? Yeah, McGillicuddy. Uh -huh. That's exactly what his name is. <laughs> what is his name again? Patrick Starr. Yeah, there we go. Same difference. Um, they go on this journey to go and rescue the crown. Now the they had to be very specific for the kids. You have Eugene Krabs, you know, Mr. Krabs, Squidward, you know, Patrick Starr, SpongeBob SquarePants. They're really easy to keep track of. <laughs> Sponge the Star Guy. Okay. Sponge and Star went. On this adventure to go get the crown, mm -hmm. right? And the guy who actually stole the crown knows they're after it, so he's hired some guy to go and kill him off, which is a great storyline for children. It's like, hey, somebody out there in the world is going to pay to have you killed someday. <laughs> <laughs> so this guy's out there to try to squish him, uh, and so they're trying to avoid that guy and then they end up in like some biker bar and uh-huh they play with bubbles go they, on they play with bubbles and they can't i like... don't see why the story doesn't make sense to you <laughs> it's really easy to follow when the they, guy steals and the then crown, says, in the way. Then, then they finally get to the crevice and they look over the edge too far we're not gonna make it we're just kids never mind screw all this and then Princess Fedora shows up. And what's her name? Yeah, Princess Mindy. She shows up. Patrick's there rolling around. He tripped because his uh, his pants fell down and he's just got this. He SpongeBob points out he's been wearing the same goofy goober underpants for the past three weeks. And, you know, he, she pops up and, and she's like, oh, my God, it's Mindy. Yeah, and she casts a magic spell. To turn them into meds turn and let you go with the crown, mm -hmm. which really was just close your eyes. I'm going to take the seaweed and shove it on your face, and it's going to magically stick there like a mustache. Right, exactly. And if you have a mustache, therefore you are a man. Yep. Hence 
the man and man. Exactly. <laughs> I'm man now. I was boy. Now I have terrible mustache. I'm man. So then they start doing the adventuresome things that they believe men do, and they go get the crown. Mm-hmm. All right. And there were some obstacles they had to luck out of. And yeah, they, really didn't <laughs> they didn't really do anything. They um, just got luck out of it. And then in the end, I think this is actually kind of true for millennials and maybe Gen Z, but Gen Z is just barely entering their manhood stages because um, they're so young still. Um, they get the crown, they bring it back to the king, and it's like, you're right, you should have been the manager. And they're like, no. We did the man thing, didn't like it. We just want to be kids. <laughs> so it brought me all the way back to this whole meme or phrase where it's like, adulting is hard. <laughs> and well, the last thing millennials want to do is anything that's hard. <laughs> yep. So. <laughs> did, I, did I sum it up? Did yeah, I... you summed it up perfect. You got every aspect of the movie correct. Um, So. Really, I just wanted to show you that movie. It honestly has nothing to do with anything except just the fact that Gen Z loves meme culture. We had this show that was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous at every waking moment that it was on. And we took all of these memes from it. And that is like our culture. That's the way that, you know, we talk, act, whatever. It probably explains a lot of our issues. And uh, yeah, so I just wanted to show you something that was super iconic. Doesn't really mean anything. It's just ridiculously iconic for Gen Z. Um, really just helped define a whole a whole generation of kids. So do you... And it influenced my everyday life when I was going through middle school and high school. <laughs> what stage of life did you face your biggest obstacle? And overcome it. Let's add that in there. Um, to be honest with you, I would say, so I'm trying to think of like the right way to answer your question. So, so let me, let me be clear. Like biggest obstacle in life or biggest obstacle in like career wise or like like, job wise or just just general? Your life, any aspect of it. Where you went up against it and, you know, you had choices to make, right? Overcome it, go a different direction, you know, crawl up in a ball, suck your thumb. Yeah. You know. So two two key moments come up, right, for me when when two to three when we talk when we talk about this. So one was when I was in college, my one of my best friends in college, he he did the thing that you were fantasizing about in high school. He killed himself, right? Um, he took a bullet to his head on one of the bridges on school grounds. Um, and that was... I, Me and one other friend knew that he was going through what he was going through. He had been, um, you know, manic for months up into this point. He was having issues, cutting, made multiple, like, plans that we essentially, like, foiled right like we found out about stopped him had sent him for help like all of these things right and um it was kind of that moment where we realized like he made the choice he wanted to make because all the other moments he made it too easy for himself to get caught 
right? Mm. In this moment, there was, unless we literally went and like burglar searched his room, he wasn't going to get caught, right? He, he stopped showing the depressive side of himself, made, you know, faked that he was taking his medication, faked that he was still going to therapy, um, gave himself good alibis for like doing those things, you know, and faked all the right things, right. To get people to lay off just a little bit to, to do what he did. Right. Um, going, going through that was something that will be a defining moment in my life forever. Right. I like, it's one of those things where until you experience something similar, it's just not, it's not the same. Like, ha- like it was really the first moment that somebody ridiculously important in my life died. That was kind of like the f- that first defining moment. Like somebody that I love and really care about is now just gone. Mm-hmm. Um, so getting through that and working through that, still being in school, and I was taking engineering classes. Like after that, I started failing classes left and right. Or not really failing, but like barely scraping by like D's, my GPA tanked. I wasn't doing well. I still had my job, like slacking off in my job, all of those things, all these things that I worked like really hard for, for years, just all kind of took a big halt. Um, and I was really like slacking off and things like that. Um, so basically my decision, my decision, kind of like what you were talking about was a, I had to make some hard decisions about where I was at in my life. So I was engaged at the time. Um, and I did, I just realized that I didn't have the mental and emotional strength to try and support myself as well as be able to be in a loving relationship. Um, I wasn't loving at the moment. I was extremely angry at everything that was going on. So I decided it was better for me and the other person to just part and go separate ways. Um, and then I also had to make decisions to pull myself out of it because I knew that I was going to wreck my future if I didn't, right? Um, and another defining, I guess, key moment that came out of that, I met the right people through his family that actually set me up for the career that I have now. So lots of pivotal changes that put me where I'm at now um, without him doing what he did, I would not be in the career that I'm in now. It wasn't even a thought at the time, um, or even like a path that I was considering. So that, that was one of like the key, the key pivotal moments in my life where my decisions that I made and the people that I met through that situation completely changed my, the path that I'm on right now. Interesting. Yeah. I can think of a few, but that's, that's like my really key one sure we'll get into the others in other episodes <laughs> yep um what about you um i have two things one of them is deciding not to do what your friend did <laughs> right. yeah that's a pivotal moment all right i i i think we wouldn't be on this podcast talking about it if you did <laughs> <laughs> so deciding not to do that was definitely a pivotal pivotal it's like rural for you <laughs> until the moment. <laughs> um, uh-uh, yeah, the only one. <laughs> I what I managed to flip the switch in my head from going from an inferiority complex 
to a superiority complex. Mm -hmm. I decided in my mind that I wasn't the problem. Everybody else was the problem. And therefore, I shouldn't do anything to me because they're the problem. So mm -hmm. screw those people. And then I just started acting better than everybody else. That didn't go over real well, except for me. Mm -hmm. That's just what I needed to be at the time because I could either be really high or really low. Right. And I had to figure out the middle from there. And I wasn't getting anywhere from here. Right. So I went too high and then had to go through my ego checks and calm down to a mostly even keel. Mm -hmm. So if this is average, I think I managed to get myself down to right here, just mm -hmm. above average. All right. Um, and then the second point um, is that was pivotal was deciding to go back to school. So I was actually in the car with my dad in the parking lot to take my GED. Okay. And I was sitting there and I didn't even open the door. I just kind of looked at him and he looked at me and I said, you know what? Let's scrap this. Let's just enroll me in school again. Gotcha. So rather than, and that's, I'm assuming where the second year. Of that's the where the year second year. In, right. Cause yeah. And, and, and so I went to, I went to Woodenville high school. So my first high school was Redmond high school. Mm -hmm. Um, my parents moved to Woodenville and so I enrolled into Woodenville high school and I chose to make that a fresh start. I, I measured, I made a, a measurement of the behaviors that I did at Redmond high school that was unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. And all the introverted things that prevented me from making friends. And I said, I'm going to scrap this. I'm going to do these. I'm going to put myself out in front of people. Yeah. So instead of. It was to take the harder route yeah. rather than just taking the easy Instead way. of sitting in the corner at the library mm -hmm. waiting for first bell, I actually sat in the hallway listening to my headphones because mm -hmm. that's what we had back then. You yeah. Know? Um, where people could actually talk with me and ask me what I'm listening to. Right. Um, and so I then I deliberately made myself vulnerable, talked with people, and it worked out really well. Um, it was a good experience that second senior year. So if anything, for me, if I had to think of, say anything in that experience, it would have to be more towards my second senior year, right. which was more like that, but still kind of different right um because i didn't have all the years of yeah, time build up yeah <laughs> um so that's because making that decision gave me my pride back showed me that i could be successful um and gave me reason and purpose to apply myself and try harder yeah um so I think the point is because two completely different experiences, right? Mm -hmm. Two completely different moments, but I, you can make good decisions in your situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so, um, and I asked this question originally because SpongeBob did the man things, right? And then they had the opportunity to run the restaurant like he thought he wanted and decided he wanted to be a kid again. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, and I didn't like that message. Like when you make the tough decisions that a man has to make and become a man, don't don't change your mind and saying, "Oh, being an adult is too hard." I want to clarify something? Did you watch the very end of the movie? Yeah. Okay. Because 
because at the end he he's like Mr. Krabs like oh I think we all know who that manager badge belongs to and then he was like it was like oh well I think I have something to say Mr. Krabs and then Squidward stepped in and was like you know I think this long journey has just made you realize like what you thought you wanted is what you didn't want and all of these things and then Spongebob's like no I was just gonna tell you that your fly was down manager this is the greatest day of my life and he like took it so he oh, did take I thought the job he, I, did, I thought he didn't <laughs> Well, it's okay. <laughs> yeah, he did take it. Okay. Well, then never mind then. <laughs> For some reason, it just didn't register with me. <laughs> Probably because it made it too light. Well, it was it was super light and super like jokey at the end. That was kind of the the whole point. Um, but they did like hit the whole scene right before that was about like enjoying your time as a kid and all of that. It's like musical and all of that stuff. That was like the whole message. This was just the last part. So I can completely understand like that being the perspective that it gave right at the end of the movie. Because that's what the end song was all about, right? Right. So. All right. I feel a little bit like a jackass still, but <laughs> thanks for the out. <laughs> no, completely makes sense. Also, it's Spongebob. There's nothing to take from that movie. <laughs> That movie does not have to be deep whatsoever. It's in the ocean. It is deep. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Alrighty. Well, I think we're running up on time. Absolutely. Um, since we did stumble into this suicide thing, I just want to say one thing. Don't do it. And there's now a hotline 988. Right? So there's 911 for emergencies for suicide 988. Use it. I'm very glad. I have a great life. And I've been able to make positive impacts on other people. And I'm just glad I didn't do it. And, you know, I've I've known people who have committed suicide. And I've known people who've been impacted by other people who've committed suicide. It's, it's a very selfish decision. It's very cowardly. And you do so much harm. Yep. Um, and so. it's not to yourself. Yeah. As much as you think yeah. all that the, it is. All the people that you care about, that you think, you know, they're better off without you, you hurt them so much. Yeah. So 988, it's a permanent solution to temporary problem. Yep. Yep. Agreed. Couldn't have said it better myself. Alrighty. Thank you guys for watching. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. Appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, don't kill yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Peace be the journey.